Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS. Been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. This week, we welcome Vijay Ravindran to the podcast. Vijay is the CEO of Florio, a virtual reality company specializing in developing software to help children with autism learn. He's also a parent of a child with autism and has day-to-day firsthand experience helping his own child learn new skills. I'm thrilled to learn more about this exciting new technology. Vijay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's, it's my pleasure. And a lot of people enter into the field of autism for personal reasons. Um, and it, before we get into virtual reality and the technology, I'd love to know is, how is your experience with your son leading to your development of this technology, your interest in this field? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for asking that question. It's, uh, it's really the inspiration for starting Florio. Um, my son was diagnosed when he was two and uh, uh, has been through intensive interventional therapy, uh, including ABA, during his childhood. And he's made tremendous progress. And uh, really what happened was a, was a happy coincidence of events. I was about to leave an executive role at the Washington Post. Um, and uh, I have a technology background. I was, a lo- I was an early engineer at Amazon and was there for seven years. And I was basically noodling around with different ideas on how I could potentially use uh, the fact that I had this technology background to help the community with autism. I was so, you know, I think, I think once you enter into, you know, being in those waiting rooms while your child is going through therapy, meeting the other families, seeing all the varied situations and struggles, um, there's, a, there's an incredible bond that builds over time. And, and so uh, as a next job, I was already thinking about, I'd really love to do something that can make an impact. And I had been separately interested in virtual reality technology. Um, it was at the time in late 2015, still fairly experimental. Um, Samsung had just come out with the virtual reality headset called the Gear VR. And Oculus, um, which is now the, the dominant co- consumer virtual reality headset, had a developer kit, so they didn't have a, a system yet on the market. And uh, I acquired one of these developer kits. I was trying it out. And my son has this deep love of maps and navigation. And so I had just seen that Google Street View had come out in VR for, the, for, the, for Samsung. And, uh, and so I had him try it out. He loved it. And an amazing thing happened. He went down to his playroom and uh, he did pretend play for the first time. So he had up until then never done any pretend play. And he goes down and he actually plays out what he had done in VR in Hmm. the real world. And I think all of us as parents are always looking for those, you know, new mountaintops we can get to. And they can be incredible struggles to what, uh, for a neurotypical family uh, might be like these little things they take for granted that just happen naturally. And, and for families like ours, I think we all know how um, 
those uh, those things that other people take for granted can sometimes be incredible struggles. And uh, and so to see that ended up being this incredible light bulb moment. And uh, I started you know, napkin designing uh, what what therapy could look like in VR. Um, is there something special about it? And um, over time, those napkin designs ended up being the start of a company. Uh, you know, that collision of tech and the passion that you had for really understanding your son and how he was navigating the world seems to have created a great product. But it also shows the fact that as a neurotypical person is that sometimes we might have barriers that are preventing us from really enjoying and exploring the world the same way that somebody who might be a little bit more neurodiverse um, is doing it, which sometimes hinders treatment. And the idea of virtual reality to be able to help that child explore and learn how to navigate the environment in a safe place sounds like it could be a really big advantage for a lot of the kids. So how, do, how does virtual reality work? Like, how does that process work for your son or for others? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, many people have never tried virtual reality out, um, but uh, that's changing over time slowly. And, uh, and so virtual reality, which is a concept that's been around for, for a number of years, but really has only recently come into a form factor that makes it affordable and accessible for, for people that are into gaming or into, into buying hardware. There's a number of different headsets on the market, the most popular, which is made by Oculus, and it's called the Quest. Um, but essentially what virtual reality technology is, is the ability to use sensors to update a real-time display that uh, encompasses your, your eyes to create a sense of presence in a different place. And so um, uh, almost all virtual reality experiences today are delivered through headsets that you wear over your face. Um, you basically see a display screen that could be either of the real world or animated. And as you move your head or your whole body in space, that display updates to give you the sense of being in the place that's being displayed. And so um, different headset technologies are able to track your position in space. Others only track your head um, as our system does. But uh, the end result is this notion of being fully immersed in a, in a new environment. And uh, just as a clinician, I, I look at what you're describing and, and the product itself, and I see a lot of variability in the way that I'd be using it. It sounds like I can actually immerse myself into a teaching situation so that I can help reach remote populations as a clinician. But it also, one of the things that I'd like to kind of dig deeper on is it sounds like I can create a safe environment for some challenging situations for, for children or safety sort of protocols in place where I can put a child in a situation that if I did in the real world, it might be neglectful. <laughs> but in virtual reality, it's, it, it creates the opportunity to practice. What does that look like? That's right. Virtual reality is an incredible practice environment. And we know uh, when it comes to some of the challenges our kids face when they're on the spectrum, they sometimes just need more reps. They need more repetitions to, to gain a skill that might come more easily for someone else. Um, they learn differently. And so sometimes we have to embrace that and try different methods of teaching that skill. 
And so in virtual reality, you can create environments that are hard to replicate in a therapist office and hard to replicate in the home to create those practice environments. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, in our Florio system today, we can help a child learn how to cross the street. Crossing the street is a skill everybody needs. There's some basics to it. Look right, left, right. Um, uh, understand the walk and don't walk sign. Know that sometimes cars don't obey the rules, that jaywalkers don't obey the rules. And uh, in virtual reality, we can create a fully immersive environment where you can practice that skill without the negative consequences of failing. And mm -hmm. so um, that's really important. Uh, it also allows you to uh, create experiences where you might start to feel some anxiety, some fear, some intimidation. So we have lessons on uh, responding to bullies and allowing a child to learn the difference between teasing and bullying and the different ways to get help based on how that intimidation is playing out. We have lessons on how to interact with law enforcement safely, which is a huge fear factor in the community because of uh, some, some of the recent incidents in the news, especially in the autism community itself. And, and these, these lessons can simply do things that the parent or the, um, the therapist is unable to replicate to full effect. And so virtual reality can create these practice environments that today otherwise would be impossible. And I think that's absolutely amazing. You see way too frequently the stories that that you referenced, whether it is um, in Utah, they had the, the police shooting for that adolescent who just didn't know how to respond at that time to the police commands. You've had plenty of bullying experiences where the child didn't even realize that they were being bullied or didn't have the assertiveness training to really work through it. And how do you replicate that in real life is it you, you really can't I mean it's so emotional so you need a vehicle like virtual reality to to create that scene and immerse somebody in it to give them the tools so that they get enough chances to see what does this look like what does it feel like and to respond um, had you have any examples of, of some of the kids that their stories from families on things that you know they found successful yeah, um, we've we've had incredible su success stories. Um, we've had kids who've had real trauma. Um, one child who was actually hit by a car in a parking lot was scared to be on the road, cross the street, going through our lessons, developing the confidence to start crossing the street again on his own, um, overcoming that. Um, we've had uh, cases where literally the parents have told us my son just had the longest conversation with me after using your product. Um, and so these are, of course, incredible to hear about. And I think the other, the other uh, trait of VR that ends up being, uh, I think, very valuable and is that um, so much of therapy and training today is delivered adult to child. And so, um, you know, I don't know how, what the experiences of others are, but for me, I often saw cases where skills learned um, adult to child didn't translate on the playground or in some environment where it was child to child. That can be because the language is more colloquial and not, not, not familiar to the child, could be for other reasons. Um, in virtual reality, you can create avatars that interact with the, the learner or the child going through the, the therapy that matches them to the age, um, exposes them to diversity of gender and ethnicities, 
And so those all can help play and build resilience over time. Yeah, and, and every single one of those things that you mentioned are integral to successful social interactions is that you need to be able to generalize to the, the people that you're going to be engaging with. For a child, they should be engaging with other children very frequently. You want them to be open to a variety of different people talking to them that look different, sound different, and that they're able to adjust and understand what that meaning is regardless of who's saying it. And I think that all of that is is key to good learning. Um, COVID probably opened up a lot of the floodgates on this, but when you're looking at being able to teach, one of the biggest things that we've run into in the autism industry is access to care. We don't have a lot of opportunity for these early learners to develop the skills because of lack of therapists, uh, geographical barriers, or insurance or funding barriers. Um, some of those funding barriers are going away, thank goodness. But the other two things exist. Um, how has the experience of COVID led to more integration of virtual reality into early learner skill sets? Yeah, so um, yeah, obviously, you know, COVID-19 and what uh, society has gone through the last year is, is an incredible tragedy. Um, one of the things that it has uh, created a need for and enabled as a byproduct is that families are looking for services without necessarily leaving the home. Um, special education and therapy clinics have been you know, contending with CDC guidelines and uh, reopen schedules while still needing to provide services. And so uh, the Florio system takes a virtual reality headset which the child wears and pairs it with the coaching console that today runs on an iPad. And so one of the first features we released after the world shut down a year ago is we made it possible for that iPad coaching console to run remotely from the child. So up until last year, March, all of our customers were using Florio as an in-person tool for teaching skills. Um, it ran on Wi-Fi network, but um, we hadn't built it so that it was resilient to running over far distances and making it possible for a therapist in an urban city to be able to deliver service to a rural county. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we can do that now. So we, we made that feature available in early April last year. And we have a number of customers now, both uh, clinic-based and school-based customers that are using Florio as a telehealth or distance learning system to augment what they're able to do using video conferencing. So we all know video conferencing has a lot of limitations and I think that's even more true when talking about our population that we're trying to serve. And so by adding uh, virtual reality as a tool in the toolbox of clinicians and special educators, we're giving them means to be able to teach lessons that otherwise they would have difficulty because they can't get on the floor and play with the child the same way they would normally. They can't use toys face-to-face -face the same way they would on a table. And so virtual reality gives a new space where they can uh, develop new techniques to teach those skills. And with the way that service delivery is right now, it's never going to be a, a one-size-fits-all commodity. It's, it's something that, you know, some services are going to be delivered, like you said, in centers. Some are in homes. Some are in schools. But some are needing to be done through technology. And we need to figure out the best modalities to, be, 
to be doing that, to give the same chance for development to those children. Um, so uh, when you're looking at the difference between some of these advanced social skills and the early learner skills, how, how has Florio teamed up with the uh, autism providers to be able to kind of create, uh, I don't know if it's curriculum or if it's uh, programs, how did, how did that partnership occur? Yeah, it um, has happened fairly organically uh, in our four years of, uh, of being out there. So uh, you know, we started initially with a set of lessons in developing joint attention. So eye contact skills, um, you know, classic early learner uh, domain. And we, in parallel to that, uh, also started creating the lessons on the police officer interactions. Both ended up being uh, the principal subjects of early research that we did to establish the efficacy of our teaching approach. Mm -hmm. We then um, really started working with customers to fill out the rest of that catalog. We, we, have, uh, we have over 175 lessons today in Florio, and they, they split between um, early childhood building block skills like eye contact or the ability to imitate. Um, and there we worked with uh, a multi-state ABA company to, to build out those lessons and match it to curriculum that's commonly used in the ABA industry. For, for, for some of the more um, social simulations and, uh, and life skills that are more later stage um, or on top of those building blocks, um, our school-based partners have been really key drivers. So um, a lot of those social situations are um, particularly stark and obvious in the context of schooling. So classrooms, playgrounds, hallways, cafeterias. And so our curriculum has been driven. And what we've seen happen is that um, we're not looking to replace providers. And so as a result, um, we go where the gaps are that um, you know, the clinics we work with and the schools we work with quickly identify what they're not able to do today. And then, and then once they're using the system, they can imagine, oh, in virtual reality, I could teach this really difficult skill. Let me see if Florio will build it for us. And we know that if we build it for one of our customers, it's applicable to a broad set of our customers because of the commonality of the population. So um, our, you know, our lesson catalog has expanded quite a bit. and. Uh, you know, basically customers have helped each other by providing the feedback that has driven what to prioritize and, and how to build that out. Yeah. And when you think about autism care in general, it is, it's a community-based treatment. I mean, you need to make sure all stakeholders are a part of it. And it sounds like that uh, Florio and virtual reality is another part of that treatment community that's pre providing a kind of well-rounded balanced care model for each of the patients coming through and for different developmental levels or needs for immersion or lack of access to care for geography, sounds like it definitely fits a gap. There is one other gap, though, that I've been reading about more recently, and you're seeing the access to care for adolescent and adult services start to increase. Um, is there a role for virtual reality in providing some adult care? Absolutely. And so, you know, I think, I think we all know that uh, services for kids with autism as they start to transition into adulthood uh, can be pretty sparse and, uh, and, and challenging for families. And, uh, and so 
you know, some of our lessons today, such as the police officer encounters, already target an older uh, or more developmentally advanced uh, child as they transition into adulthood. Um, and what we're seeing is a lot of demand for independent living skills, um, safety skills that are of, of a more advanced varieties, you know, such as the fire alarm in an apartment building, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and dating. Um, sex education. And so um, we, uh, and then around employment. And so, uh, so we're uh, working on uh, several different uh, lessons. One of them coming out soon is going to be around shopping at the supermarket. Uh Um, So it's a really important independent living skill. Um, And then we also are a partner with Vanderbilt University's first center for autism and innovation. Um, they have an NSF phase two grant um, that's focused on job interview skills. And uh, we're going to be partnering with them to help build a commercial version of what they're developing. So um, you can imagine, you know, job interviewing uh, is a is a big need area. The unemployment and underemployment rate of people with autism is between 80 and 90 percent looking at uh, current data. And so there's an immense opportunity to improve lives, improve the situation for families, and improve society and the economy as a whole if we can uh, start to build training and, and services to, to help our community become more employable. And so uh, while some of that responsibility should be borne by employers and being more uh, flexible and accepting of a neurodiverse population, um, we can also make a difference by building skills. And so interviewing for jobs, teaching the social skills that are common to a workplace, um, are areas that we're keenly interested in um, because that can, I think we think really make a big difference. And it, it really sounds like what we've opened the door to what virtual reality can do, but it sounds like there's so much that, that we're going to find on our path going forward as far as the flexibility of the product. Um, and I guess that that brings me to a, a bigger thought is that a lot of our guests uh, have really done a, a good job of educating and educating me on the idea of um, neurodiversity, acceptance, being an individual with autism and not always feeling like they have to march the the same path as everybody else. How does virtual reality allow for the flexibility in the treatment to be individualized that way? Yeah, so uh, one of the really powerful aspects of virtual reality is that, especially when it's animated, is the level of customization that can be and personalization that can be embedded in the lessons. So um, today we uh, uh, are able to turn up and turn down audio and video distractions, which can uh, help build resilience over time, but also allow someone to start at a more simple level and be able to build a skill. Um, We can also, you know, customize lessons in the type of characters they interact with, um, as well as sometimes the treatment they receive. Um, To give you an example that is quite stark, um, you know, we know that uh, African-Americans have potentially a much more difficult time interacting with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And and so, um, you know, our system allows for um, the caregiver who's supervising the lesson um, to be able to change the difficulty levels um, and be able to put input like, is this person going to be treated like a child or an adult in the situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that can vary based on where you live and your race um, and your gender. And so 
uh, there's uh, there's opportunities to create those customizations, um, and and we're just scratching the surface of what's possible. Um, over time, where we're going is that because the other aspect that is very powerful of virtual reality is there's an amazing amount of data that can be collected over time. Obviously, ABA therapy is rich in data collection already as a as a discipline, um, and the number of data points and the types of things can can be vastly enhanced in a virtual reality environment. We're able to track things like your stability of your gaze, whether you're fixating on something, um, and uh, and you know we can not only track whether you accomplished a task, but how long did it take you to accomplish the task? You know, it's not realistic for a therapist to have a stopwatch um, on on things, but we can produce that and show you know someone's improving ten percent. Um, and so uh, those all also uh, give the opportunity to take that data in, process it, and be able to personalize the experience and space at the individual level. Um, I think there's great opportunities also in uh, treatment plan management and adapting that treatment plan uh, at a more frequent basis. You know, when you think of one of the challenges that ABA clinics often have, it's that, you know, the BCBA doesn't visit the child, you know, that often. <laughs> Um, and so is there something that we can be done to bridge the divide between behavioral technicians and BCBAs and create more mechanisms to create adaptive care as the child either shows regression or fantastic progress and is ready for more? Um, and so all of those are opportunities where uh, in virtual reality, because of the nature of the data being collected, there's an opportunity to, to create that personalization. No, it sounds like there's a, there's so much flexibility in this product. And it sounds like there's just so much opportunity to continue to build off of each one of these lessons and make sure that nobody feels like they're they're stuck in a particular category, is that they can make it to personalize it to their life, which is where generalization comes in. And that's the important part of any treatment is not that I get the skill, it's that I can use the skill. <laughs> so um and just as an aside is that I've, uh, during, during the time of COVID is that one thing that we have learned in our industry is a lot of the children that we've worked with, when they are doing the video meetings with their friends, engaging socially, we're watching them kind of communicate, whether it's playing a video game and chatting, a lot of the interpersonal connection sometimes is a barrier. So if you go from that wall of talking through a computer to an immersive experience and then build that gap to being able to do that in real life situations, it seems like there's just this continuity of skill sets that can open up the world for a lot of different people. So I, I like the way that everything kind of flows together. And with treatment is that you're trying to identify what it is that you're working on and you need technology like virtual reality to fill some of these gaps. So what tips do you have for parents? I mean, as they're going through, a lot of parents hear so much about autism treatment. It, it can be overwhelming at times. Um, what tips do you have for them as they're exploring virtual reality systems? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, for virtual reality today, I think the, the primary access point is through the providers you work with, asking about whether something like this could be applicable to the challenges and and the and the skills that you're trying to gain, um, and uh, and you know, Florio has a product today that can be used by any clinic to to teach a wide range of skills 
and our catalog is growing every month. Uh, we're working on, on, on new lessons uh, across that uh, myriad of needs. Um, in, uh, in Maryland today, we also have approval through the Medicaid Autism Waiver Exception Program, and we're seeking approval in a number of states, both with the waiver exception programs and with Medicaid in general. Um, and so that's also an area where, um, you know, we hope to, to really grow access. And that also introduces some really exciting potential parent training models that can be used as a complement to the professional services from an ABA clinic that you might be receiving. And so I think going back to a point you made around logistics and you know, based on where you live and uh, jobs and, and life situations, you know, getting to the care and getting to uh, the level of treatment that a family needs can often be very difficult through a traditional model. And so we think uh, Florio could be uh, a great asset for potentially augmenting that care either through telehealth or potentially as a, eventually as a parent administered with therapist supervision uh, at the right level. In the case of Maryland, what we're doing is, uh, is providing parent training and um, checking in with the family, with the therapist to help adjust the lesson plan on a, on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis. Um, so we think there's potentially light, lightweight models that could complement the intensive intervention cares that um, the child is receiving to, to fill out the whole portfolio of needs that the child has. I, I think that that access to so many different opportunities to, to get the treatment is, is very important. And you've mentioned that, you know, schools could be using this, clinics could be using it, uh, ABA home-based providers could be using it, families could be using it. Uh, how do they get to this product? <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the vehicle to be able to start trying this on? Yeah, yeah, they can come to our website, Florio Tech, so F-L-O-R-E-O-T-E-C-H.com. And, uh, and we have uh, uh, different uh, ways that you can reach out to us and we can get back to you. Um, and, you know, today we work with uh, about 65 uh, school districts and clinics um, and, and growing. And, uh, and, and so we're eager to, to work with anyone. We offer not only a, a software-only option, but we also lease, lease equipment as needed to, to help uh, people get off the ground quickly. Um, we do have parent options, but uh, we have found that uh, working with providers and creating that professionalized supervision uh, it's a really good combination. So um, in most states, uh, we're working with providers, which could be the school district or, or the clinics. Um, and, uh, and then in a small handful of states, we're getting provider status ourselves and developing some models to provide uh, home-based care for the families that we hope to then hand off to providers. Um, so our goal is to be a technology platform that um, providers can utilize and that families can can rely on to fill in uh, their needs. And all of this, uh, for, the, for those who are listening, is that this advancement in uh, autism and virtual reality and that partnership, this has been moving relatively quickly over the years. And there's been big strides. And I think that you're one of the people that's really moving it along that has been happening over the last few years to be able to help make sure that we're giving a diverse learning opportunity and that we're giving more and more access to such a pivotal care model 
at the right times of treatment. So I, I appreciate everything that you've been doing to make sure that we continue to evolve treatment in general and our thoughts about treatment. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up today? I feel like I've learned a lot. And I, I, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, we, we've, uh, we've benefited from uh, some really great groundbreaking research that has established the efficacy of our system. We finished our first randomized control trial with Children's Hospital of Philadelphia last year, and it was a success. Um, uh, the, the research team at Children's Philadelphia is going to be presenting for the third straight year at INSAR um, this summer, um, those results from the randomized control trial. Um, so we're, we're super excited about that. Um, we also have a novel partnership with NIH through the National Human Genome Research Institute, where we're working on some new uh, capabilities around uh, at, uh, addressing some of the challenges that face uh, the ADHD population. And of course, within autism, between 40 and 50% of kids with autism diagnosis will eventually get an ADHD diagnosis as well. Um, so it's a huge need area in the community. And, uh, and we have uh, lessons uh, around a number of program areas, uh, such as planning and organization flexibility, that'll be coming out later this year that we think will be not only important to the autism community, but applicable to uh, many children who might have an anxiety or ADHD diagnosis and need help in that area. Hey, that's uh, needed. It's amazing. And I'm so glad that the time and energy is being placed into it. So, well, thanks again, Vijay. I appreciate you giving us some time today, uh, educating us on this, this delivery model that a lot of people might not be aware of and uh, being able to kind of share the experience of you and your family in developing this. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Vijay and Florio are, are really filling a gap in the autism treatment. And that gap is that access to care, that geographic difference. It's also that ability to immerse a child into a learning environment that you really can't do on a regular basis in a safe way. So as they're developing this new technology and as they're creating ways to integrate it into typical treatment models, is that we all are going to learn and we're all going to be able to adapt and create stronger and stronger and more efficient ways to be able to give kids the skills as they develop. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS. ABS is proud to provide diagnostic assessment and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids, that's plural, dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.